How not to be a Scrooge at Christmas. You know, and we're going to, and I, I remember just being intrigued about, remember the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and then of course the ghost of Christmas future. And that's really what we're going to look at tonight, are those three things, but in a sense of about being a Christian, being a child of God, living a changed life, you know, that your life would make a difference and an impression. You know, he was definitely uh, a very selfish person, and, you know, and hence, from that classic, from Charles Dickens, People have come to, boy, they're just being a Scrooge. They're just being a Scrooge. And it's even, not at Christmas time, but how you live and how you treat other people. Remember, he was changed at the end of the movie because of the visit of the three ghosts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Now, here is what the change, our goal is or should be the word of god states here therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things become new i I was jotting down some uh evidences of being a scrooge and we've all been a scrooge at one point in time We've all been selfish at one point in time in our lives. And uh, in looking at this and looking at some of the characters of the book and some of the characters we've seen in the Bible, a Scrooge, I have some definitions or descriptions, only thinks of self, but not only seems to thrive on being miserable, but wants others to be miserable also. You know, in the movie and the book, he was portrayed, because I saw the movie way before I read the book, he was portrayed as being a very miserable person. And have you ever loved, have you, excuse me, have you ever heard the saying, misery loves, obviously you have. And basically, if I'm miserable, I mean, apparently it happens often enough that it's true in human nature, in human nature. This is all, by the way, human nature is flawed by sin. And so there's some common characteristics. Misery loves company. All it means is, is this. A lot of times miserable people seek, they want other people to be miserable too. And so also a Scrooge is that they're not happy. No peace, no contentment. And I think about this time of the year, not only is it uh, portraying a Christmas story, but remember what the angels said whenever they visited the shepherds? Peace and goodwill to all men. And then that should, shouldn't that be our prayer? Peace and goodwill to all men. So let's take off on the journey and let's go back in time. To, you know, Paul wrote this book here in Corinthians. And let's go back to the time before Paul was saved. Probably uh, when Paul was just a toddler, Jesus was on the scene in John 13. In John 13 and verse 34. 
head there, John 13 and verse 34. Now, when I visit these three ghosts, we're going to look, here's what we're going to be looking at. I can imagine this as Paul was in the middle of his letters, and we're kind of going to focus on the, uh, the church at Ephesus tonight, the church at Ephesus. You know, he, now Paul, of course, started that church too. But as Paul was under the tutelage and instruction from Jesus, remember, Paul was taught by Jesus in the desert of Arabia. That's described to us in Galatians chapter 1. You know what I think? I think Paul, excuse me, Jesus rehearsed to Paul all the things that he taught the apostles. Did you know that Paul calls himself an apostle out of due season? It means there's a season or a time period for apostles. So, in looking at these three ghosts, here's what I want. Whatever one of our church members in, in the past, when the very first church was established, what in the past, what does Jesus expect? In the present, what we are, and in the future, what we should be. In John chapter four, excuse me, thirteen, verse thirty-four, Jesus said this: "A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another." By this shall all men know that you're my disciples indeed, if you have love one to another. And so, in looking at the past of our church and how we should behave, I want to think about this. You know, we think back about what Jesus did for the disciples and how he uh, corrected them and how he loved them, how he, he said, listen guys, quit arguing. Remember, two occasions that he said, remember that, hey, I'm going to sit on his right hand. I'm going to sit on his left. Jesus, what about us? You know, and he said, what are y'all doing all this for? You know, you, they, they weren't getting it. He said, and by the way, John 13 is right before, if you keep going, right before he was arrested and then later on, of course, crucified. This is last-minute instructions. Last-minute instructions. Before I go, before I leave, let me tell you, you need to love each other. And everybody will know that you're one of my true churches because of the love you have for one another. Now, along that same line, so that's the ghost of Christmas past. So I imagine this as Paul is writing. He said, man, I remember 15 years ago whenever I visited the desert of Arabia and Jesus literally appeared but." And he told me and taught me. And this is what he told me. And so guess what? In Ephesians chapter 1. And then we're going to look at. So he's writing this letter. And the church at Ephesus or this letter of Ephesians is known as one of the prison epistles. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. All right. And he's writing this down. And he's, he's excited and by the way, if most of you have a have a uh, uh, study Bible like mine, some of you have some notes in it, and if you you can look at other documentation. But this says that Paul wrote this letter about 61 A.D. So let me ask you this, and that's according to our calendar that we use today. 
What year approximately did Jesus die on using our calendar? We say, a lot of people say 33 A.D., but it was really because of, of our calendar, the way it falls, it's around the way our calendar sits, about 29 A.D. Now, some say 30, some say 29. It's all where you put Herod the Great dying. But nevertheless, about 61 A.D. is what I have here, and, and it's the same in other commentaries. And So how far is this after Jesus? About 30 years, so basically. About 30 years that Paul is writing this. And notice what he says in this passage, okay? I'm in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Wherefore, what are we on? The ghost of Christmas present. So he's writing this, and this church is doing good. And it says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord and love unto all saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is 61 A.D. And what is Paul commending them for? Their faith and their love. He's congratulating them. Now, by the way, remember this is a church. And if you flip over here to Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, which is interesting to me, in verse 22, Ephesians 4, 22. Now, what did he write? What did he write? And remember what was our starting verse? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Put off the former things, put on the new man, all of that, all of that stuff. Guess what we have here? And what's interesting to me is he's writing to church members. And what does he say? Hey, listen, verse 22, stop acting like you used to act. Put off the former conversation, the the old man, which is corrupt, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man. There it is again, the new man. Put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. Be angry and sin not. Let the sun not go down the wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that still stole, uh, stole still no more. But rather let him labor with his hands the things which is good that you may have to give to them that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good in the use of edifying or building up that it may minister or serve grace unto the hearers. And if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something, verse 30, you need to do it what it says grieve not the holy spirit and so isn't that interesting that he's telling them even though they're saved church members they still had trouble sometimes acting like that so the ghost of christmas past is what jesus's teachings remember this is the original teachings of the way churches need to be the way churches need to act and now we've got a just figure we're living in the days of Ephesus. And what were they commended for in 61 A.D.? Their faith and their love. Now let's go to the ghost of Christmas future, which is in Revelation chapter 2. By the way, if you date Revelation, if you have a study Bible or any other commentary, it dates Revelation. Some, I've read one commentator put it about 91 A.D., Another one put it like 95, and another one put it like 99. 
And another one just got it all right. It said 90s. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that kind of covers the whole decade there. So basically, if you go from 61 to 91, this is the church at Ephesus when? 30 years later. You reckon churches change in 30 years? Well, duh. <laughs> Do people change in 30 years? People change in three days, <laughs> three weeks, three months. And so it's definitely churches change in three And let's look at the church at Ephesus. We got a snapshot of them in 61. Let's look at them in 91. All right? Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Unto the angel, the church at Ephesus. That angel just means messenger. Uh, many people think uh, that this is the pastor. It's probably true. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. In other words, Jesus. Uh, verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor. I know your patience. And man, you don't like people that are evil or people that are mean. You hate people that do that. Man, you're standing for good stuff. You've tried them which say they're apostles and are not, found them liars. You've, in other words, there were signs of apostles. And you've borne and has patience for my name's sake. In other words, in matter of fact, verse 3 says they were hard at work. And the end of verse 3 says you're not given up. You have not fainted. And then he says, what? Nevertheless, I am somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Wait a second. Thirty years earlier, God inspired Paul to brag on them about what? Their love. And, and things had changed in 30 years, haven't they? Things had changed. Well, if we change, may God give us the courage to say, Lord, help me to change for you. A lot of us are very, very capable of saying, God, I need your guidance. I need your influence in my life. Shouldn't that be our prayer tonight? I don't want to be a Scrooge. And a Scrooge is what? A Scrooge is selfish. A Scrooge only thinks of themselves. A Scrooge uh, wants not only to enjoy misery, but to let other people be miserable with them. And we've all, hey, listen, don't say, well, I don't know. Well, they, they need to hear that sermon. They need to hear. Let, let it be to us. That's it. Let it start with us. Because all of us, including your pastor, have been a Scrooge. I've been guilty of thinking of myself. I've been guilty of of uh, having a pity party and just wanting others to revel in the pity with me. I've done that. We've all done that. We've all got discouraged. That, oh, by the way, those all those characteristics can discourage you. They can. And matter of fact, aren't all those characteristics, we're told to do the opposite of them? <laughs> we're told to be encouragers. We're told to, what does it say, edify? 
doesn't that mean build up? Instead of the opposite, of course. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, whatever God is laying upon your heart tonight to say, I, I want to put Him first. And if our church changes, may we change for the better. If we as individuals make mistakes, may we learn from them and say, what can I do better for God, for Him, for Jesus? Father, I thank You for this opportunity tonight. I thank You for everybody that's here. I thank You for the one that came for baptism this morning and I'm lifting Miss Janice up to You in prayer. I thank you for answering prayer, for encouraging us. Sometimes, dear Lord, you may be the only encouragement we have. Maybe it'll be because you may be the only one knowing what we're going through in our life. You may be the only one knowing what we're experiencing in our heart. May we cling to your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen.